Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. What's happening, bud? Not much, man. Just uh, hanging out here remotely. Yeah, it's um, you're hanging out at your house. I'm hanging at my house. And uh, yeah, a lot of lockdowns and stuff again, but yeah, better be but safe and sorry for a too bit. too lazy to drive. I didn't feel like driving. <laughs> and there's weather happening out there, too. There is. I was out in it earlier, and uh, it's uh, it's like it's like I wish the snow would just stay. It's like it, it keeps teasing us. It comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. It's like oh come on, or, like <laughs> it didn't have a white Christmas, didn't have a white New Year, and now we're well into we're we're in the second week of uh, January, and it's like come on, like uh, like the local ski hill they are open a few li- few runs a few lifts, but they make snow. Are you guys going to do the uh, skiing again this year? The kids keep asking for it, but uh, the conditions are so bad. And and plus, you know, we're just, life is busy, right? So. Yeah. 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 You guys are going back to school or what? So according to what I heard, school is uh, back in service as of Monday the 17th. Okay. That's not bad. Yeah, it is. It's it'll be nice because I've been homeschooling the kids for the last two weeks, right? And uh, and it's uh, I don't know. I, a lot of people like working from home, but I don't. I feel disconnected, and and uh, and you know my staff are doing stuff that it's like, hey, what, why is somebody else telling my staff to do something? And it's like I should be telling them. So <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. No, I like <laughs> I, I'm I got tired of working from home and. Uh... You definitely miss the social aspect of working. Yeah, in your the social aspect, and and there's so much that you can, you know, interacting with your coworkers and learning what's going on, and you know, in the moment stuff, and and uh, you know, it's it's uh, you can't live by the phone or on Teams calls and stuff like that. It's just uh, too disconnected. Yeah, and same with the kids; they they need to, you know, that social interaction as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So my my kids just hate uh, homeschooling. They. Uh, they miss their friends. They miss, you know, hanging out with their friends and all the all the stuff that they do or whatever. And and uh, so I don't know. They're, they're looking forward to getting back. It's going to be strange for them because they right now they haven't been back to school since before Christmas. So I think they'll be uh, they'll be very excited to get back to school and uh, that'll and, uh, last for a week. Mixing. <laughs> It'll last for a week, and there'll be you know, <laughs> exactly. Can we get a well, I honestly. I honestly, yeah, it's snow day or whatever. There's, I honestly don't know how long it's going to last this uh, going back to school again, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened? Oh, I got mail this week. We uh, remember last week we talked about the kindling cracker. Yes, yeah, I saw the post. Got one. Yeah, going to be using it. Well, I'm not going to. I'll use my axe. <laughs> <laughs> Use the butt end of your axe so you can split the wood on the kingling cracker. Yeah. Uh, so I got Tracy a present. Uh, I also got in the mail, some, I totally forgot I'd ordered this, a first edition Paddler's Guide to Algonquin Park, Brook Trout and Black Flies. Oh, that's... Kevin Callan's book. Yeah. It's not, yeah, and it was changed to Paddler's Guide to Algonquin Park. So you ordered a first edition, did you say? Yeah. I found a cool. copy online of a first edition, so I ordered it from a guy down in the States, New Hampshire, I think it was. Huh. They had them, so. <laughs> this is is it look signed? Like, 
No, but it doesn't look like it's even ever it, been read. Oh yeah, like the, so, the spine's it, not. But cracked. it will be signed eventually. Oh yeah, I'll take it over and I'll get Kevin. <laughs> Man, has he ever looked young in that photo? <laughs> what year did he publish it? Ninety-seven. Oh wow, a long time ago. Uh, Nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But uh, there's a few pictures in it. Um, lots of writing. But, uh, yeah, uh, he just, when it was released again, they changed the name on it and yeah. everything like that. So, but, so is uh, that, he's got darker hair. Is that his goatee yeah. phase or his non-goatee phase? What did he call it? The quarter beard or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that yeah. was his goatee phase. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> you know. Uh, but, no, that came in the mail, too, this week. So nice. I'll have to uh, get him to sign that, and then I'll... Uh, Sell it for a fortune. You know, I'm constantly envious when uh, David Bain uh, sh- shares pictures of his uh, book collection because he's got some a lot of first editions. He's got some really unique books. Yeah, some re- like there's like the, the some of the books that he has are like you know I didn't even know that existed type thing, and it's just he has an amazing collection. Mm-hmm. It's like oh man, I wish I had been collecting as long as he has. He has some some amazing first edition books and stuff. And it's probably stuff that he's forgotten he's had too, because now that he's oh, retired, yeah. he's just, yeah. you know, go, doing the cleanups and stuff like that, right? Exactly. So stuff. he's going through his collection. He's going through all his old old books, and and so occasionally he goes, "Hey, look what I discovered! I forgot I had this." And mm-hmm. he's like, "Wow, that's so cool." Oh, so yeah, it's nice to have. I got a couple of books, but uh, yeah, that that collection would be nice to have. Yeah. And his and most of his like a good percentage of his his collection is all paddling related, right? Yeah. So he's been well. I think he taught when he was a teacher. He did an outdoor program, didn't he? I believe so. Yes. Well, that's I think where so he, this is, he met Kevin Callan. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. But didn't they bunk together or something? Or they were yeah, they were in roommates at one point. Yeah. yeah. So they both came, they co- both came into the uh, industry together, and. Mm-hmm. And Kevin ended up being uh, well. They both were teachers. Kevin Callan's a teacher, but uh, uh, but uh, Kevin Callan is more. He wrote books and and did the big trips and stuff. But uh, uh, David Bain did outdoor programs and so on. So he was an English and, teacher too, wasn't he? Yes, David Bain yeah. was. I, I think it was an English teacher. So he was like proper regular teacher type. He guy. was a real folk, teacher. Folk is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure I tell Kevin. So David was a real teacher, Kevin. <laughs> That'll go over like a ton of bricks, Bob. You Fred, know what I mean, George. Though. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, Kevin does mostly under you know underserved, underprivileged kids who who uh, who you know they're they have issues, and this is a way to uh, to bring them around, and that's what Kevin Callan does. He he kind of yeah, he's not your the, regular uh, uh, reading, writing, arithmetic no teacher. No, yeah, yeah. He he does outdoor <laughs> programs with kids. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he keeps doing it. He enjoys it. So, yeah, yeah, I can see it would be rewarding. Mm-hmm. It would be rewarding. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, other than that, I don't think I got anything. I hung my anything new. I've no. been too lazy to take my tent down in the garage. So that oh, it's still hanging up. Trying to still hanging up in the garage. Yeah, it'll probably so be was hung there much, up. It'll probably was there up much until, snow when uh, you were there? No, no, not at all. No, no. So is it? So your tent must be a little bit dirtier again, eh? A little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, there was still snow, but uh, yeah, there was there was. 
and just enough to cover the ground sort of thing by maybe a yeah. cup, not even an inch. Huh. And uh, so hopefully come February 21st, I guess it is, the family day weekend. Here's uh, hoping. We'll be up there and hopefully there'll be a lot more snow. Yeah. You know, I mean, we have the trucks. So we can take our snowshoes and all that sort of stuff and they sit in the truck all week. They sit in the truck all week. But it's nice to yeah. take them up and actually be able to use them. Uh, yeah, at least you have them. It's an option. Yeah. Because, I mean, we went yeah. through the airfield and realistically we could have gone right off the track and not worry about it. Oh, yeah? yeah. What about ice? Was uh, was the, any ice safe to walk on? Um, in spots, you can see where people have walked on it, but I I wouldn't. Yeah. There's it's a lot still of too early. It, ha- it Yeah, it hasn't been consistently cold enough to really trust the ice. Mm-hmm. So, well, we'll see what happens come mid-February. It's yeah. A month. It's a month away now. Yeah, yeah. We're getting close. Holy cow. Yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> um, summer's coming soon. Yes, and time to start planning. Planning trips. Now, you sent me a couple things to look at this week. This is sort of going to be a yeah. transportation episode. <laughs> yes. We know a few people that have the uh, Westphalia vans and stuff like that. The Volkswagen, yeah. you know, distinctive, you know, worldwide fall. Back in the day, they used to be good for surfing campers, uh, the yeah, co- and, counterculture, that sort exactly. of thing. Exactly. Yes. You know, everybody would, you know, I mean, it's a hippie van, right? All the hippies would jump into it and travel across yeah. the country or smoke weed, whatever. Go to uh, yeah. Woodstock and all that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, but it was, it was typical countercultural vehicle, and you'd, you, yeah, you'd have like surfboards on top, and mm-hmm. and nowadays you can picture. I actually, I don't know how hard it would be to get a kayak on top, but it'd probably be just as hard to get a surfboard on top, I guess. Yeah, because I mean, you, you couldn't just throw it on top and leave it. You still have to get up there and tie <laughs> it down. Yes, you know. So yeah, nowadays you're gonna you would see though you see them, and people have canoes and kayaks and stuff on top of there. The stand up yeah. paddle boards. You know, they're, they're, I mean, they're, to get a good one and spend the money to refurbish it and all that sort of stuff, uh, that we, we know a couple of people that have them and they love them. You know, they're, they're camping in them, even in the winter. Uh, there's people that are, there was, uh, there's one guy, um, Terry that's up at, uh, Mew Lake or New Year's and he has his, he's got a little diesel heater in it and, oh, yeah? uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he sits there and he, he sleep winter camps in it and everything. So, huh. yeah, wow. you just got to make sure that you have the money to fix it when it goes down and keep it clean so that, the, you know, it's not rusting and, and all that sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So huh. they are coming out now with an all-electric one, and right now it's called the ID Buzz. Yes. It's taken two decades to come up with the right formula, but German automaker says it will finally reveal the long-awaited replacement for the old microbus on March 9th of this year. That's pretty cool. I, I yeah. was looking at the pictures online. And it's like, hey, look at that. It's an electric Volkswagen bug or bus. Bus, yeah. Bus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Uh, European version will go into production first and a stretched... A stretched model uh, will come to to North America early 2023. So I well, not too far away. No, now they it looks more sort of futuristic. 
more glass, more bubbly looking. The the it ones looks I like saw, a shuttle pod from like Star Trek or something. Pretty much, eh? <laughs> but I I didn't see any versions with roof racks. No, no, I didn't either. I, I've been looking, and uh, but the, guarantee they're going to have it. Like you would think. They, they have to. They have to. They have to cater to that kind of culture, right? Yeah. It's the it's what they're all about. So they just they were talking about this. Said the original VW, like the VW Bug, the original microbus had an outsized following that has lasted long beyond the point when it was pulled from production. It dates back to a sketch doodled by a Dutch Volkswagen importer. First rolled off the assembly line March 8, 1950. That's how far these things go back. Production continued in some markets through 2014, though the Type 2 was pulled from the U.S. markets years before. Uh, The Type 2 reached its peak in popularity in the 60s and early 70s, clicking with the American counterculture movement, but it remains a popular product even today with fans lovingly restoring those that haven't rusted away. And that was the big thing was all the rust. Yes. Uh, with their distinctive yeah. rear engine layout, roomy interior, and large windows, they still can be found at campsites or hauling surfboards. Well, now they can be, <laughs> hopefully in the future, be hauling canoes and kayaks and stand-up paddle boards. Exactly, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anybody haul a surfboard on one of those. I've seen canoes and kayaks on top, but never an area surfboard in the northern well, Ontario. No, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, it, it, they people do surf on Lake Ontario, yeah. uh, just out of Toronto. There's uh, you can get some pretty good waves coming in, and, and but it's typically a very cold weather sport for for Lake Ontario in Canada. Yeah. Just because you need those uh, winter storms to really build up the waves, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, there you go. You, you might see it in the winter time, and uh, on the shores of Lake Ontario for people hauling their surfboards on their uh, all-electric VW uh, minibus. Well, this minibus, uh, it's a flexible skateboard-style architecture, placing batteries and motors beneath the load floor. If anything, that should maximize the interior space of the electrified model. So if the motor is built in, yeah. And you know what? Like, you could probably throw a kayak inside. Or a solo, I don't know about a solo canoe, but you might be able to. And if they got the uh, same rear opening hatch, right? I'm looking now. I can't find decent pictures of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. So it just keeps talking about a concept vehicle. But... uh and the whole roof is all glass on the picture I'm looking at. It's uh, and there's like, it, it looks like a nice vehicle. I think and, the, uh, the concept ones go all total funky. I I wouldn't want a full on glass, full roof from front to back. No, no. You know, I definitely as nice as that might want seem, roof racks. It's uh, yeah. It's you want to you want some relief from the sun sometimes, right? Yeah. Yeah, you maybe a sunroof or a moonroof. I have no idea what the difference is, but yeah. uh, um, but not nah, not full front to back glass roof. Yeah, you know, um, but yeah. So they so if all the motor and batteries and everything are underneath, good center of gravity. It'd be yeah. uh, it should handle well, and uh, you can load her up. Put more people in. <laughs> you could live on board. Mm-hmm. Put in a shower and a bed. And nah, I wouldn't want a shower in there. 
So <laughs> recent, or they say there's pictures that have been released, um, include and the pictures are that show changes for production include larger headlamps, more conventional mirrors and door handles, and an LED crossbar to connect the headlamps. So There's going to be a lot of head front light anyway. Yeah. Ability yeah. to use the microbus for an active lifestyle like the original appears to have been a high uh, priority for the product development team. And that includes carrying things like surfboards. Oh, my God, enough with the surfboards. <laughs> Taking the van out for weekend camping. Mileage would be slightly above 300 miles or 480 kilometers. So if you're getting 500 kilometers out of a charge. Yeah, that's ideal conditions. You're never going to get that in real world, I don't think. Well, originally they had said it was going to be um, closer to 600 huh. kilometers or three, what was it, 340, 380? Yeah. 380 miles, which is like 600 kilometers per charge. Yeah. Smaller and and this is what doesn't I don't get smaller and less expensive battery pack options could be offered. So that's less mileage. Yeah. So that's if you're only going to hang out in the city. But if I'm going <laughs> for something like this, you're only going to hang out at the beach. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm getting one of these to go camping. Because to me, yeah. that's what these have always been, right? A camper van. Exactly. You want some distance on it. You're going to want to be able to, you know, travel up north or travel wherever you want to go and, you know, go to Burning Man or yeah. who knows what. Well, like I said, you throw the canoe on top and you start hitting all these places that you want to day trip, you know. You go, yeah. you, you, you pull into a campground, you paddle around. The next day, you pull into another campground. Like, you can travel across the country sort of thing with this. You just got to map out where all the charging spots are. Yes. Um, If you're looking to buy one of these bad boys, they figure right now, and this probably change, uh, figure around forty to fifty thousand dollars to start. And you know that's going to be a plain Jane, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Very basics. Yeah. But I would would contemplate one. Mind you, (laughs) I still want one of those big old Econoline vans like my dad had when we were kids that you could everything into and we had a little fold-out couch in there for our cross-country trips remember the vans back nice. in the 70s and that when they used to paint the big murals on the side oh yeah 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 i want one of those for a camping van <laughs> with roof racks i'm looking at a i'm looking at the volkswagen website here i'm looking at the nose on picture of the uh the microbus yeah and so there's a pattern on the lower bump, front bumper that looks like a mouth. And it uh, they started it up, and the Volkswagen emblem lit up, and the headlights lit up, but they look like eyeballs, and they scanned side to side. So it looked like the Volkswagen bus was uh, looking side to side. So I like, guess that's the startup sequence. So it's just like Herbie Lovebug sort of thing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Keep your eyes open for one of these people. You, uh, you don't have to scour the uh, wreckers and that for the old Westphalia yeah. buses and all that anymore. Coming soon to a place near you. Yeah, you need to get yourself a Thule kayak carrier, one of those uh, slip off the side for minivans. Yeah. So it uh, it pulls down to waist height, you load your kayak, and then it just levers up onto the roof. That'd be the perfect way to load a kayak onto this vehicle. Yeah. Hmm. There you go. I'll have to keep uh, keep an eye out for that. 
Yeah. You, you should buy one and let us know how it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can afford a third vehicle. <laughs> get right on that. We get right on that. Tell your wife it's going to be your new driver. It's yeah. going to be her daily driver. <laughs> um, you sent me another thing here. Apparently, this is just you sending me stuff this week. I was lucky in finding topics this week. Normally, it's you that supplies all the topics. Well, oh, this one. So the next this, one. This is yeah. One. You can talk. About I mentioned this one. it. I mentioned it to you and Alan, and I think John there last week. And I was there just, was a lot of swear blew, words involved. Yeah, it blew my mind. It was like, what is like? It's uh, I don't know what the age range of people who do this kind of thing, but it was just. I don't know. My, I, I popped a blood vessel, and I just couldn't believe it, right? Yeah. Uh, stuff like this is... I mean, this is one of the reasons people are saying about the um, putting stuff on Instagram and all that and, and increasing yes. the popularity of these places, you know, because people get out to these places and they're uh, not supervised yep. and things like this happen. Remote areas, remote locations, uh, national parks, provincial parks, uh, yada, 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 federal parks. And uh, these parks aren't heavily populated. They're very large. And so kids kids get in there and do their thing. Mm-hmm. So what happened at Big Bend National Park in southwest Texas? Well, <laughs> let me tell you. Sorry, I just had a drink of beer there. I had to pause. Well, let me tell you. So uh, there's, at Big Bend uh, National Park, Southwest Texas, there's a, there's a small boulder, and it, it's very popular for photography and stuff. There's uh, petroglyphs that they estimate are about 8,500 years old. Mm-hmm. So they, they, uh, they are, were able to date it back to approximately that age. Like anything of that age, it's really hard to nail down to... And, you know, you're, you're talking, you could be wrong by a couple hundred years type thing, right? But still, 8,500 years, that's... So these petroglyphs on this uh, rock along this area, uh, they these uh, vandals came in. They call them vandals. It's, uh, they came in and decided, hey, look, that those petroglyphs, we should put our names on top of that. So this rock, which had petroglyphs on it, the petroglyphs are now unidentifiable and it's irreparable. They can't fix it. So Isaac, Ariel, Adrian, and Norma left their mark on the stone. They they etched and scratched their names into this into this stone, and they obscured a significant portion of the uh, this archaeological resource. So this has been studied. It's a well known stone. It's a well known rock with petroglyphs on it, and uh, so when the restoration specialists were called in, they said, "Hey." Can we fix this? Can something be done about this? And they said, no, this is this is too far gone. The 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 scratching, the etching, somebody they must have used another rock or something, and uh, they scratched names into the rock, and it's it's irreparable. They cannot fix it. It's beyond repair, and it's 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 just so frustrating that uh, we hear this every year. There's a new incident where where somebody goes out and finds a hoodoo and they want to knock it over, or somebody finds those, uh, uh, you know, where the rocks have small, 
necks and it's just looks it's eroded on the bottom and they want to knock those over it's like why do people want to do that or people go to a beach and they take all the rocks on the beach and they build like 10,000 inukshuks or 10,000 rock piles and they think oh this is pretty it's like well you're what we're doing is we're ruining the natural look of a place and we're assigning our names to something it's so years ago historically Natives, they're, they're, they didn't have written word. They put petroglyphs on stone. They, you know, they used dyes and, and stains that they found in the areas. And, and so they would put handprints or they'd show, uh, you know, moose hunts or they would show elk hunts. And, and so all these, uh, these petroglyphs would be created. And that is their written word. That's their written history. This is how they tell their stories because there's, uh, there's only word of mouth and they didn't have the written word. So what we are doing nowadays is saying my graffiti is more important than than uh, the uh, ancient natives of this land. Where uh, my graffiti is saying, "Hey, Derek was here." Is that, that is more important than native graffiti or native uh, petroglyphs, mm-hmm. right? So it's I just find it very frustrating that uh, that people are not brought up in a way to understand the historical value of of the written word of the native peoples and their written word is petroglyphs right yeah petroglyphs and and pictographs um yes that's one of the big things that we always see on our our canoe trips up north you're going through areas and you're looking you're finding the the, uh, pictographs right yep and i it it reminds me and when i was talking to my wife about this talking to siobhan about this we i was talking to her i said you know we we covered a topic like this on the podcast before it was uh i believe it was i can't remember the specifics but it was a northern ontario location and it takes like a day to get in there so you're pretty much committed to staying overnight mm-hmm. and so this this uh overhanging rock wall had all these uh petroglyphs and and whatnot on it and for some reason somebody felt that they're going to go into the backcountry spend at least two days to you know one day there and one day back they brought cans of spray paint with them and they spray painted over these petroglyphs at this uh at this site and the local natives were just like shocked because this is was their they considered a uh it was a holy location it was a a prayer rock and uh and so now there's spray paint over it it's like what are people thinking it just I don't know. I just can't wrap my brain around it. I would love to talk to somebody who's done something like this to try and get an understanding of the mentality behind it. Because without understanding why people do it, how do we stop people from doing it in the future? Yeah, something like this. Like I can see going up and you know tagging this side of a bill. Actually, we. I mean, I work for for a printing company, and yeah. we just did a job. Um, I think it was last week. They're doing a pop-up vaccine clinic. So we did all that. They wanted all this signage for their windows and everything. Uh, over the weekend, it was all um, set up and ready to go. Somebody walked in this morning and a graffiti artist had tagged the windows and all wow. the art. So for this pop-up vaccine clinic, they tagged it, blocking out a whole bunch of stuff. And it's like, It why? didn't even last a day. No, it didn't even last a day. But that's in the city. It's, yeah. I, I would expect that in the city. But when you're going you way out you to these places. Exactly. 
So you can accept it, you can expect it, and it, you know, well, you don't accept it, but you expect it because it's in the city, it's in the city, people are doing this, is kids, people go around and spraying their neighbor's mm-hmm. fences and stuff like that, whatever. But back in the backcountry or off in a, in a park or a national park or a federal park or whatever, it's like you don't, it, I, that shocks me that somebody would go to a natural area that's uh, untouched, and you know a lot of these locations are, are behind fences, and see people would jump fences and either knock over these significant, you know, the rocks that you know, these balanced rocks that have been there for like hundred mm-hmm. years or thousands of years, and we've been have pictures from like the early nineteen hundreds, late eighteen hundreds, photographs of these, you know, these unique places, and then some person will wander up and say, hey. I wonder what how I can leave my mark. Yeah. It's like, are you kidding me? Well, I mean, look at places like um, Stonehenge. Oh, you, you can yeah, go yeah, see yeah. it, but you can't go into it anymore. No, because people right? did too much damage. Yeah. So people were chipping off chunks of rock and they were spray painting it mm-hmm. and it's So it's, this this small boulder now at Indian Head uh, the Indian Head area uh, now, you know, is displayed this Abstract petroglyphs for thousands a year now reads Isaac and Ariel twelve twenty six twenty one Norma Adrian twenty twenty one. Yeah, vandalizing so the- archaeological resources on public or indigenous land is a federal crime, and penalties include up to twenty thousand dollars in fines and two years in prison. Well, it should be able. You know what? They should be able to track it down because it was uh, who entered the park on what day. So, like, the, usually you do pay a, a, an entry fee or whatever. I don't know if you have to sign your name, mm-hmm. but uh, these specific names of these. So, Isaac, Ariel, Adrian, and Norma. They left their mark on Boxing Day, twenty twenty one. And so somebody's going to know these four individuals, know that they went for a hike, know that they were in the area, and going to say, hey, these are the guys that you're looking for. Yeah. So Big Ben asks anyone with information regarding the incident or the individuals involved to contact the Parks Communication Center, and anyone with a tip can contact National Park Service Investigative Services Branch. Uh, Because, yeah, this is, you've just destroyed... An eight thousand dollar, eight thousand, eight thousand year, year old, old yeah. item, and it's irreplaceable. Yeah. Like anybody can carve their name on something, right? But why do it on a significant historical rock? Yeah, with with you know, it's just I don't know. I, I, I obviously, clearly, I'm passionate about this. I, I do care about it, and uh, and so I just I find it frustrating. I and I, honestly, I just want to be able to educate people and say, listen. You have to think about what you're doing here. This is this is not something that should be done, right? No, no. Like, go find a chunk of wood and, uh, you know, go put up a signboard or, you know, make yourself a poster. But w- why do you want to make something that had permanence destroyed? Yeah. Ignorance and irresponsibility. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's going to happen again. Always does. It will. We're, we, you know what? As long as, uh, as long as we've been doing this podcast, we've been reporting on stuff like this, and each time I get just as frustrated as the last time. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be able to. I don't want to be the guy that gives in. It's like, oh well, it's going to happen. No, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that says, no, 
we can't do this. We can't keep doing this kind of thing. There's, uh, you know what, if you want to tag a, you know, a power box down the street or whatever, whatever it is, it's, it's still illegal, but at least you're not destroying something of historical value. Yeah. So hopefully they get caught. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to stop ranting about it. From, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it shouldn't be done, you know, like, yeah, it's a pain in the butt. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, let's move on to the new predator stalking the West. <laughs> this was a bit of an interesting, uh, the, the, and the, the, the person, the article was written by Pepper Trail. Yes, I wonder uh, if that's her real name. Wondering if that's her real name or not. Pepper's a, re- a woman's name, right? <laughs> so when I first read this, so I already knew what they were going to talk about because they had a photo with the glowing sky. Right. And I was reading it. And it's like, oh, they're leading into this so nicely. <laughs> so, so the first the first line is the grizzly bear, the wolf, the cougar, all apex predators. It's like, ooh. <laughs> and then there's Derek. Anyway, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not an apex predator. By no means am I an apex predator. <laughs> yeah, he talks about viewing these from a distance and safety, and it's been a long time since we've had to live in fear of wild beasts. But now the fear is returned. Um, in the article, they're talking about towns and stuff, but this is also for yes. canoe trippers and stuff because we know people that have been caught out there. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. fear felt is not just in the woods, but also cities and towns, paradise, California, talent, Oregon, and now suburban superior in Louisville in Colorado's Boulder County. Dangerous yes. predator we're facing these days is wildfire. Uh, we've known a number of people that have had, uh, um, well, we were, we were heading up North a couple of years ago and had to stop because of, uh, forest fires. We know people that have had to cut their, um, trip short because of wildfires. Uh, we know people that have been caught out there during wildfires and you get, you know, they're, they're sending up back pictures and, and video of these fires that they can actually see. Um, they're, yeah, even out on the grasslands, they're destroying our very homes. When populations and ecosystems grow badly out of balance, there must come a, cor- a correction. Humans and the environments we have created are not immune to this rule, and we must recognize that we have unleashed the fire predator through our own choices. Now, you can get into the, the, the climate change and that whole argument. We, yeah, it is climate. No, it's not climate change. Blah, 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 whatever. But on a exactly. global so, scale, yes. we have released vast amounts of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. And this is the greenhouse effect has raised temperatures and decreased rain and snowpack throughout the West, contributing to fire weather. And there was a hurricane force winds that came down on Denver in the middle of winter. Right? Yep. Uh, exactly. So we're, we're affecting the weather. Yeah. Uh, there's also the land management choices that has strengthened the, fre- the threat of fire. We tried suppressing all wildland fires everywhere and, uh, ending the use of prescribed fire in forests as a management tool, and this has only led to a huge buildup of flammable fuels. Second, industrial-scale logging eliminated over 90% of fire-resistant old-growth forests and replaced them with highly flammable tree plantations. And 
then there's our human footprint, building houses right where the fire predator likes to roam at the brink of the forests and grasslands. So, and, and that's what kind of grabbed my attention. So it's it's the uh, it's the same old story. You know, we uh, we move, we build a community somewhere what was a uh, a forest land, and uh, so we move into it, and we don't really take into consideration the fact that who had lived there before us. So we're moving into an area where there's coyotes, there's foxes, there's bears, there's deer, there's moose, and suddenly we're complaining. It's like you know, it's it's that age old complaint. It's like well, if I had known this was an issue, I wouldn't have bought my house there. It's like, well, you didn't educate yourself, mm-hmm. you know. It, it, so it's the it's that thing. It's like uh, I can't believe I bought a house in this northern community in this forested land, and nobody told me I might have a bear in my backyard or you know whatever, right? And so now what they're doing is that they're building. It's a great view. Look this giant grassland i'm going to build my house and you know just like people want to build a house on the edge of a golf course want to build on the edge of a cliff want to build on the edge of a forest want to build you on the edge of a ravine well look at this i'm going to build on the edge of this grassland and what do you mean there might be a fire it's mm-hmm. like we are walking into this thing just like we did with uh with uh, animals in in you know we're taking over these forested lands that uh that there's hazards there and we have to accept the fact that uh you know you, you might want to think about how you're building this either you know there's going to be new floodplain issues changing and you know forest fires and whatever and like i remember prescribed fires i uh I remember a couple of times when I went out to Kenmore, Alberta for, for climbing and hiking and mountaineering stuff. Like I remember watching prescribed forest fires. They yeah. like, they cut giant hundred foot wide slashes on the mountainside and then burn a section. And then the next year they'd burn a different section. And so this got rid of the underlayer that, uh, it's that buildup of flammable fuels. And we don't do that as much anymore. No. And it's and, also uh, the minute there's a fire, like a forest fire that, you know, um, I mean, nature has always had forest fires from lightning strikes and stuff oh, yeah. like that, right? Yeah. The first thing they do is we got to put it out. We got to put it out. We got to put it out, right? And so, in a lot of cases, some forests require that some forests need that cleansing by fire, yeah. right? So if we're stopping it, we're allowing that buildup of uh, flammable fuels. Well, the jack pine, it doesn't release its seeds except by fire. <laughs> I know. Right? I so know, right? If, if you don't let a fire, a fire go through... Then yep. you're stopping it from repopulating. Yes. And it affects the population of that tree. Yeah. So we have to take a long view of this. Uh, the fuel choke forests are resulting from the mismanagement. They need to burn. And yep. they will burn. You know? Oh, yeah. You, you got you to get rid of all that stuff that's under there. Uh, Unless we rake and sweep all the forests. Hey, there's a make work project. Uh, best we can do is preserve old forests that remain and manage younger forests to increase the resilience to modern intensity fires and it could be a century or more before a new forest land equilibrium is reached if we let stuff go as it's supposed to go and you do the prescribed burns and stuff like that because yeah even in in the prairies when i lived out in saskatchewan you used to see them along the highways doing big swaths of these burns Yep. You know, Colorado's Marshall, Colorado Marshall fire proved that wildfire is one predator we can't eliminate. 
far from any forest, this was pushed through tinder dry grasslands by howling winter winds and burned more than a thousand homes in a matter of hours. So this could happen anywhere. I mean, if you're on a, on a trip down the river and all of a sudden these winds pick up with a fire, you're trapped. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You know, that's, that could be devastating to a canoe trip, kayak trips, whichever. I've seen, yeah, and we've we've all seen the pictures and videos of, of like, uh, you know, cars trying to drive down the road where there's fires on both sides. I remember, uh, so John Van Berger, he was telling us about, uh, they, they were kind of ducking and hiding. There's like, oh, there's a fire coming at us. And the like, uh, first responders are telling them, hey, you guys kind of got to get out of here because mm-hmm. it, it might come this way type thing, right? Yeah. So it's uh it's one of those things. It's uh if you see smoke in the distance, don't think that it's too far away to affect you. You have to be really plan ahead because fire moves a lot faster than you expect. Yep. Oh, big time. And that wind blows up. Yeah. I mean, when we, Woodland Caribou, we passed through I think three different fire zones, old forest fires. Some were newer, yeah. some were a couple years old and starting to regenerate and stuff like that, but uh um yeah, they're definitely calling the forest fire is now uh, a new predator, and it doesn't care. It's going to take whoever it yep, takes. Exactly. So we'll see what happens with that, and hopefully, you know, um, they start getting a, a handle on this, and uh, you know, let nature take its course to part and help it out in other parts, and try not to hinder it and cause problems. And that's yeah. that's well, all they- we've been doing. Yeah, nature keeps trying to make its own course, but we keep blocking it and turning it around, right? Yeah. So, we'll see. Um, what else we got here? Oh, 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 this is a good one. The on for all the people that live in Ontario and do their taxes, the Ontario Staycation Tax Credit. I got sent this. I don't know how many times. Um, even my wife is, Hey, have you seen this? Uh, a temporary Ontario staycation tax credit for 2022 aims to encourage Ontario families to explore the province while helping the tourism and hospitality sectors recover from financial impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. So this is actually pretty cool. That is very cool. Yeah. So I, I like, I first looked at this with, a little bit of skepticism just because of the current climate. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know, people can't travel anyways. Of course they're going to stay close, but you know what? Maybe some people are, are you know, a lot of people are feeling the pain of the, uh, of the current, uh, all the lockdowns and so on. Yeah. And so this might actually be an incentive for them to say, Hey, I can't leave the province. It's not really safe for me to fly. So, Hey, I'm going to go to, Niagara for the weekend and and do a, a winery tour or something you know when you know when things get a little bit lighter so this will be I think I, I'm gonna get rid of my negative attitude about this and think you know what this might actually help because it might encourage people to get out and do a trip somewhere and you know it's uh, but again like you what what were you saying it only covers well so it's Ontario residents can claim twenty percent of their eligible 2022 accommodation expenses. For example, a stay at a hotel, cottage, campground, uh, that sort of thing. So they give a list. Hotel, motel, 
Uh, and I, every time I said hotel, motel, holiday inn or something like that, it's a part of a song. Uh, <laughs> resort, lodge, bed and breakfast establishment, cottage or campground. There you go. You're eligible to claim the credit if you're an Ontario resident as of December 31st, 2022. Yay us. You can claim eligible expenses of up to $1,000 as an individual or 2000 if you have a spouse, common law partner, eligible children, which you'll either get 200 or 400 back on your taxes, right? I mean, <laughs> 200, 400 bucks is 200, 400 bucks. So think about how expensive it is in some of these parks. Like, you know, the, 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 the current pay rate is kind of scheduled towards like a six-person group, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go solo or if you go as a pair into like tomogamy, it's like, oh, what, 47 bucks a night? Hey, I can get 20% of that back. Well, and that was one of the things um, a couple people had mentioned about it doesn't, it says campground. Oh. It doesn't say so, backcountry camping. No, it's got to include it. Well, I wasn't sure. So you know what I did? I called Tax Canada people. Did you? you actually I called actually them? called them and said, so listen. Sec- you uh, t- called Tax Canada? You, t- you Really? There's a 1-800 number at the bottom for information. That's calls, awesome. Good and it you. says, uh, if you want this in English, just listen. If you want us in French, press 1. And I was just listening. It says, if you want information about Ontario's budget, press 1. No, not interested. <laughs> We did not receive a choice. <laughs> there is only one choice. <laughs> so I press one. And when you press one, if you'd like to, to mail you a copy of Ontario's budget or for a customer service. All right, customer service, here we go. So I said, listen, yeah. your, your thing isn't, you know, I mean, it says hotel, motel, that sort of stuff. What about backcountry camping? Well, it's a campground. Oh, well, no, no, it's not. Says, yeah, are you are, exactly. are you paying for it? I said, yeah. Then it should be covered. And I said, because you pay your, your daily permit so that you can go into this lake and camp there for the night. And she says, it'll cover that, but it doesn't cover extras. Like if you're buying wood, if you're, you know, like a, a, if, if you're staying at a campground that has washing facilities and, and all that sort of stuff, it okay, doesn't cover enough. any of that. It covers yeah. your short-term accommodation or camping exactly. accommodation. So if you're spending so, like 300 bucks for a 10-day trip, you yeah. in the back country, you should be able to claim that $300 towards your 1000 So you yeah. get 20% back of that. Um, yeah. But, 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 but. Oh, there's always a but. There's always a but. There was another little part after that because I kept on reading. But I'm going with what she told me. I'm going to claim it anyway. Uh, So, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, better ask forgiveness, right? And if any tax people are listening to this, turn it off now. Uh, (laughs) Short-term accommodation would generally not include timeshare agreements or a stay on a boat, train, or other vehicle that can be self-propelled. Oh, but you're not. So I can't do the uh, Rocky Mountain Express train. Yeah, but you're not staying on your canoe. You're not camping on your canoe. You're actually camping in a tent or uh, on some sort of shelter on a site that you've booked and paid for. So that's why I'm like, yeah, that doesn't really pertain. 
Yeah. A boat or train or other vehicle that can be self-propelled. Huh. So I, I don't, like maybe one of those, so I'm, those pumpy, pumper buggies that are on the railway tracks. <laughs> <laughs> they used to get away from the burglars, the train robbers. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm wondering, like, like it, it obviously it's the uh, Burt Reynolds Memorial River Run mm-hmm. is uh, we're looking at potentially doing a trip into a northern area, and it's going to be a fly-in trip. And you can't so, claim the flight. Yeah, that's that's a bummer because the well, I haven't done a fly-in for six or seven years. Last time I did a fly-in trip, and uh, when I did it back then. With cheaper gas, it was uh, nine hundred bucks a person. So, and you can only do two people. So, one canoe, two people, and whatever gear. You're limited by what the plane can carry, and and these aircraft can carry one canoe by regulation. So, yeah. basically, you take two people, one canoe, and uh, so if there's six people, you get three flights. And so, a single flight at that time was about eighteen hundred bucks. And uh, so you paid for the plane to get to your loca- first pickup location, drop you off, and then fly back. You paid for all that gas. Mm-hmm. And the major expense was the fuel. Yeah. And so if this could pay for the flight, unfortunately it can't. No. But I was excited for a second there. I thought, oh, the biggest expense is going to be the $1,200 to fly in. But with people right? like so us that person. do these trips, you're yeah. going to rack up your thousand. You can only go up to 1000 per for yourself anyway. Yes. Or 2000 for the family. So with all, with that trip plus any family trips you do. So that's true. Your whole summer of camping. Two grand worth of backcountry camping. You claim it that's on your... That's reasonable. Yeah. I could do that. So you end up with $400 back, right? Yeah. There you go. And you get that in time for next summer's trips. Yeah. You got to spend money to save money. Yeah. I don't so, know. I just made that up. <laughs> you just made that up, really? I've never heard that before. <laughs> as long as all conditions are met, you can claim any of the following expenses: accommodation for a single trip or multiple trips, up to a maximum expense limit of a thousand individual or two thousand family. Accommodations booked either directly with the accommodation provider or through an online accommodation platform. The, plat- uh, the portion of the expense that is necessary to have access to the accommodation and the accommodation portion of your tour package expense. So if you're, if you're going on, going somewhere and they offer um, a uh, water a jet ski guided tour, you, yeah. can't, you can claim the hotel that you're staying in or the bed and breakfast you're staying in or the resort you're staying at, but you can't claim that guided tour sort of thing. Yeah, okay. So so if you're in Ontario, and hopefully, you know, like, this is a good idea, and I honestly think they should roll this out to you- other other provinces and states. Uh, this is a pretty cool thing to get people uh, out and um, helping small businesses uh, in the tourism industry in their own province or state. So that now that brings up a question. Mm-hmm. Oh, there we go. Okay, I just answered my question. So it's uh, it's only for Ontario residents. Yes. So somebody from like Quebec couldn't nope. pop into Ontario and spend the time here and camp in Tomogamy and and then after two weeks go home and then claim it because it, it it's only you have to be a 
a provincial resident of Ontario right. to claim this tax credit of uh, so uh, for accommodation expenses. People could from Quebec could come to Ontario, camp for two weeks in Tomogamy, keep all the receipts, go home, and tell all their friends they came to Tomogamy for two weeks. That's <laughs> 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 pretty much where it ends. Sorry. Or they can give you the receipts because the trip was on them. (laughs) Yes. There you go. You know what? That scam is going to happen. That's going to happen everywhere. (laughs) Hey, can you write me a receipt for a thousand bucks? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, for uh, people that are paddling in, that live in Ontario and are paddling and whatnot in Ontario this year, uh, this coming year, save them because next, next spring when you do your taxes, you know, get yourself two yeah. to four hundred bucks. Woo-hoo! If you stay in Algonquin, Killarney, you know, Tomogamy, whatever, any, any places, provincial yeah. park, if you go there, you camp, and uh, so your accommodations, you can claim twenty percent back. Bam! Awesome. Excellent. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Uh, I only got two more things. Oh, one's bad. One's one's outrageous. Uh, one's bad, one's outrageous. Viking kayak in New Zealand started out in a shed in 1999. Manufacture the elite an elite range of fishing kayaks. Uh, they specialize in design and manufacture of fishing kayaks. 21 employees. January 8th, about 50 firefighters and 12 fire engines were sent out to battle fire that started at the factory. Um, there's pictures huh. online. Big big fire. About three hours to put the blaze out. Factory is devastated, and the vast majority of it is beyond repair. We talked about the uh, Eskif uh, had the uh, the fire. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, and now this one's had a big fire, and this was just this past weekend. Uh, the factory was devastated. Vast majority beyond repair. Fire inspector found the cause. It was a fault inside a switchboard. All but a That's few really molds, yeah. All but a few molds were destroyed, uh, and they're 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 going to come back, and they're but they're starting basically ground zero. Yeah, because yeah. all of that. So with with uh, and you know what, one of the biggest losses would be is uh, is all the molds that you use to build the the the, the, the your watercraft, right? Yeah. So y- you have all these historical molds. That maybe you know you might have a mold that's like fifty years old that you've been using for all that time, and well, this and is since nineteen ninety nine. Okay, so nineteen, so but still that the, 20, you know, 22 years. Yeah, so all of that stuff, your your original molds that mm-hmm. that you constructed your kayaks with. Yeah, they're, they're so they were that new, eh? Ninety nine. Yep. Yep. Huh. But, but uh, still, yeah, fishing kayaks. All the so. all the tooling and and specialized equipment and oh. Yeah. What a loss. That's a huge loss. Big disruption to, to um, supply of them now, too. Well, for a good portion of time now, going forward, there's like 21 people out of work. Uh, they said something about making the, their first, they never went into it, but they said their first uh, priority was making sure the 21 people had jobs. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that meant They'll they find got, work them, somewhere. got them work somewhere or what the deal is, so. So, uh, yeah, Viking uh, Kayak out of New Zealand there. Uh, hopefully you guys are able to uh, get back up and running uh, within a good amount of time and looking forward to getting all that stuff back out on the water. Uh, sounds yeah. like they're, they're quite popular apparently. So, 
That's too bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the last thing I've got here, and this is a, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. <laughs> okay. We've talked yes. about, I would love to go kayaking <laughs> down in Antarctica. Yes. Um, actually, and who, Dimpna. Who do we know that has done that? Yeah, Dimpna, Dimpna is. Yeah. is they're, they're down there right now, heading out. They're down oh, there again back for a couple again. Yeah, they went back for a game for, for a couple her. months. So it must be a working Not good for her. For I don't her. like her now. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it must be a working vacation. Who can do that? I know. That's it. amazing. Yeah. Good well, their their business up here is summer related, right? That's yes. what they do. They yes. teach the kayaking and all that sort of stuff. So it's all yeah. closed right now. So yeah. what do you do in your off season? It's just like teachers during the summer. What do they do? Yeah. The scenic eclipse, giant yacht, luxury ship yacht thing, is making its way to Antarctica from the Red Sea as it prepares to return to the Antarctic Peninsula for a January to March season of exploration. It's it's a four-month season. That's that's crazy short. Scenic eclipse will operate several scheduled voyages in the region ranging from 13 to 19 days. This is all a big thing because it's uh, resuming its 2022 sailing program for the first time since the beginning of the pandemic. Now, I like this because if you go on this ship, you can do kayaking trips, stand up paddle boarding trips uh, during the day, you know, all through Antarctic, uh, Antarctica. You can go do yeah. all that paddling, which would be really, really cool. So I'm thinking, oh, be amazing. Well, let's, let's check this out. And before the show, we were talking about this, and I'm <laughs> we went so left field on this one, <laughs> you know, um, about yeah, going out and uh, um, hunting for penguins. And <laughs> yes, yeah, that was that because was my first if, question is like, what does penguin taste like? <laughs> <laughs> if you see this ship and you start reading stuff, so um, <laughs> like I say, this thing is 13 days Antarctic in-depth itinerary, takes guests along the Antarctic Peninsula just above the Antarctic Circle. Highlights include traversing the 6.8-mile-long La Mer Channel, visiting working scientific base to discuss life in these harsh conditions with the staff exploring the remnants of derelict whaling station and a vacant British base or climbing to the rim of a volcano crater, taking zodiacs around ice formations, paddling among the icebergs in kayaks and stand-up paddle boards, which would be really cool. Uh, And guests can learn from a 20-strong specialist polar discovery team about Antarctic history, geography, and the ecosystem and participate in shore excursions. They can also explore below the horizon aboard Scenic Neptune, the ship's six-guest submarine, or explore above in one of the ship's two state-of-the-art helicopters with bird's-eye view of the remote landscape. If you have to ask, you can't afford it. No, no, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's another one in a 19-day Antarctica and South Georgia uh, departs from Ushuaia, returns to Rio uh, de Janeiro in Brazil. All okay, and this is the part where we went left field after reading all of this. <laughs> this is where we started going nuts. So, 
Voyages are all-inclusive, including return flights, transfers, up to 10 fine dining experiences, premium branded beverages, once-in-a-lifetime immersive excursions, uh, and what was it? All-day complimentary drinks? Yes. Yeah. Beverages uh, of choice, free, all day. Mm-hmm. Housing Tips and gratuities included. Right. Housing just 200 guests, Scenic Eclipse offers a one-to-one guest-to-staff ratio, butler service, 5,920-square-foot luxury spa, yoga, and Pilates studio, vitality pools and bars, two helicopters, six guest submarine, and an expert discovery team. A second yacht, Scenic Eclipse 2, is set to launch in 2023. So... You get a butler, complimentary <laughs> drinks, and all I'm saying is these canoes better be like double person canoes because Connect my tanks. butler Jeeves is going to be paddling my drunk ass around <laughs> Antarctica for 10 days. <laughs> you know, when you first brought this up, I'm thinking, why is he mentioning this? I don't get it. But then it's like the, uh, okay, it, it does. It's paddling related. You can stand up paddleboard. Yeah. You can, I, you know what? I, I'm going to make a, uh, an assumption here and I'm sure it'll, it'll weigh out in the end, but, uh, you're going to be in a dry suit. <laughs> well, they offer you, they give you dry suit or, uh, is it the dry suit or the polar? So you get a, uh, a a down jacket, a complimentary down jacket. Yep. And water bottle. And, and a the, water bottle. And the use of special polar boots. Which you can't keep. No. <laughs> I don't know what's so great about those polar boots. Yeah. But, you, you, know. you can keep the jacket and, and the water bottle. Yay. And But not the boots. <laughs> so the boots must be really expensive. They must be really expensive. <laughs> or hard to get. Maybe they're made yeah. with real Corinthian leather. Yeah. And can you imagine this? Lined with penguin fur. Like, we're not talking about it like, you know, there's 4,000 guests on this cruise. No. It's just 200 people. And their personal butler. And their personal butlers. So there's like 400 people on the ship. And from the pictures, it's a big ship. Yeah. It's crazy. So the suites, the suites are huge. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's it. And so, uh, what do they call it? They have a every every one has a personal. I, I want to say deck, but it, they used a different word. But uh, yeah, you have your own outdoors sitting area. Uh, I imagine that jacket would come in handy for that because mm-hmm. you're in the Antarctic. But it's like, oh my goodness, this is like this would be amazing. And if only I could but afford see, it. Well, that's the thing is if you're <laughs> if you're parked for the day because you know that's what you do with a ship, you just park it. Then yeah. you could be out paddling all day in a different location Guaranteed, every yes. day. Oh, I would if the weather was good and if the conditions were were favorable, I would be out. I want to go and bump my kayak up against little icebergy bits, bergy bits, and I want to go out and I want to get up close hunt and look a penguin. at some penguins and oh. Yeah, that led us Maybe into, it. we'll go out and hunt in a penguin. Can we bring it back and will the chef cook it for us? Which led us into, <laughs> what do penguins taste like? <laughs> we were right down the rabbit hole there. Yes, I'm sure there's a few people that might be offended, but we're just joking. We won't eat a penguin. <laughs> what, yes, we what wine? When I get back on board 
and I, and I get served that stuffed <laughs> penguin with garden salad and some fresh garden veggies. I need sommelier, to talk to my sommelier. I need to know how to pair here. <laughs> what am I pairing with penguin? <laughs> but yeah, um, I think we were up about thirty thousand dollars a person to start. No, it was. Uh, oh, sorry, 20, was 20, 25. 24,368 per person mm-hmm. to start. And then it went up to various. So everything above that is extra. So the, the sub and the helicopters and the kayaks, everything is extra, yeah. of course. Yeah, that's but how the we were basic sort of suite to... itself. The suites themselves range from 24 to 55,000 per person. Unbelievable. Per person. But you get. You get Jeeves, the kayak paddle. <laughs> yeah. And Butler. the trips are, the shortest trip is 13 days. The longest trip is 19 days. Yeah. That'd be so something. You're, you're getting a lot. Like if you had money to burn, which I don't, but if, if you had money to burn, like, you know, I guaranteed, like if I was winning the lotto, I, I, I'm doing this. So if you're listening to this and you do have money to burn and you're looking for a plus one, oh, yes. my name is Sean. I'm on Facebook. <laughs> Send me a DM. <laughs> yeah. We come as, we come, me and Sean come as a match set. You got to yeah. bring us both and our wives. <laughs> I'm willing to compromise on Derek and the wives. <laughs> just me. Just I me. will toss them all under the bus if you only got an extra 50 grand. <laughs> but it, it would be amazing it would just to be able to kayak amongst the little bergy bits and chunks of ice and mm-hmm. and in that environment it's it's something that is uh it's it's been a dream of mine but it's just something that i've never i've i've admitted that is something that's never going to happen for me but uh you know it would be an amazing experience to be able to to paddle through that type of environment. Yes, it's yes. just uh, it would be incredible, absolutely incredible. Like I've I've paddled Georgian Bay, I've paddled you know many lakes and rivers, I've canoed and whatever in in many lakes and rivers, and and to actually be able to experience something like this in the Antarctic on a paddlecraft, yeah, ah, that'd be awesome. It'd be amazing. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Too cool. Oh, to dream. I know. I know. <laughs> and for the record, that little wor- that little rabbit hole we went down, apparently yeah. you can't eat platypus because it's poisonous. Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, so of course we got into all the things. It's like when you when you ask Google, it's like, hey, what does what do penguins taste like? It's like you look at these suggestions that come up. It's like, oh wait a sec, what? <laughs> what did, people what ask this question? It, what was it that was it penguin that sounded? Really, actually, really tasty. Uh, yeah. So they said that penguin, if you cook it long enough, is like veal. No, there was something else we were talking about that was a mixture between three different types, like a duck and a a nice. No, piece that of, was the penguin. Was that the penguin? That was the penguin. Yes. Okay. So they said it's like uh, it's like duck fat and veal and uh, and uh, so it has hints of fish. Surprise! Uh, so it's like beef with the undertones of fish, uh, salt, and uh, duck fat uh, gravy tastes along with it, and so on. Yeah. So it's uh, they really <laughs> built up this palate. <laughs> yeah. So I'd go just for the food. 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh yeah, it would definitely be somewhere to go if you're into paddling, that's for sure. If you can just do that. I mean, I'd do the underwater thing and the 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 helicopter oh. ride as well. Well, how could you but, not? Like I like I'd be I I I kind of don't want to be a statistic to be one of those people in a helicopter in the Antarctic that crashes like hey, uh, a tourist helicopter crashed in Hawaii last week. So I so I'd be a little bit nervous about the crashing bit, but uh, I'd do the I in a heartbeat I'd do the uh, the submarine and uh, and guaranteed I'm one hundred percent in on the kayaking. Not sure I'd do the stand up paddleboard because uh, in my experience I, I I probably fall off the stand up paddleboard because I I need some practice there. But uh, yeah, I would definitely kayak submarine and I would. Probably put a couple thoughts into doing the helicopter thing. I and definitely see, want to go ashore to these historical locations, like the old uh, British base, and oh, mm-hmm. uh, it, it just sounds so amazingly interesting. I would want to know if we went together, and you're out paddling your kayak, and I was in the helicopter. If they fly <laughs> low enough that I could throw things at you, I'd be oh, my absolutely. game. That's that's it. <laughs> You're spending between twenty five and fifty thousand dollars on a. On a. I'm sure they say, sure. Here's the eggs. Yeah, <laughs> my butler would have a whole big basket of eggs I can start throwing. That'd be yeah. awesome. That'd be. Awesome. I need a butler. butler at you. I'm gonna throw the butler. <laughs> butler jump. <laughs> oh man, that'd be cool. Yeah, it would be totally cool. <sighs> Uh, yes, we need rich, 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 rich friends. We need some rich friends, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sadly, licky, lacking in that uh, department right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other than that, you got anything else? No, I'm tapped out. Really? Uh, I, I, uh, I am looking up uh, penguin recipes, I will say that. So, yeah. uh, so we'll, we'll L- see what goes on. Let me know. <laughs> see if we can go to the Toronto Zoo and uh, try them out. Uh, <laughs> I'm visualizing that we're we're probably going to be uh, upsetting a few people, but uh, it's all in jest. I wouldn't really eat a penguin. <laughs> you lie. <laughs> <laughs> we we could have got if we went to an expensive restaurant in uh, Iceland, we could have yeah. had uh, puffin. Puffin. It's more of a curiosity so- than actually wanting to eat it. So now, when I think of puffin, I think of the scene where Chewbacca is eating one of those little creatures on that island where Skywalker is oh, hiding yeah, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's exactly the sort yeah, of... Yeah, so that They're would, like little squabs, man. There's not enough meat on those. <laughs> A chicken's twice the size. So, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Squab. 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 <laughs> Next week's episode, well, Derek's cooking class. Oh, my Derek Foot Club. (laughs) Harp Seal. Oh, yeah, don't even get into that. Um, That's all I got this week. That's Uh, all I got. I I don't want to get myself in any more trouble. Way to go, Derek. And we got PETA after us. We're coming for you. If you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can download or stream episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. You can go to the episode page at Paddling Adventures Radio and stream or download all our episodes there. 
Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please share with family, friends, and fellow paddlers. And if you're really rich and want to go to Antarctica, like an A, my name's Sean. Uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, wherever. Send me a message. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Spest. We'll see you next time. <laughs>